1: gastroenteritis blues uh for another week my name is steve Littman. i'm with emily cannell dan volpone and a very special guest this week uh bleeding green nation brandon lee gowton how are you uh welcome back Uh, we just said it's your old stomping grounds your former liberty baller uh how you doing how you been
2: it's good to be back, guys. Uh, yeah, we're going back like freaking like 2012 here to my the first uh, Liberty Ballers days. That's where I got my start. Before you know, I was really writing for BGN. You know, under Mike Levin, obviously, and, and the crew that was there back in the day, like Roy Burton, Sean O'Connor, uh, Derek Bodnar, T- Tanner Sidel, all those guys. I don't leave anyone out, but all those guys back in the day. So uh, it's it's good to be here with the uh, the new fresh faces.
1: So while you uh, while you brought that up, I'd love to know how did you originally get involved. With Liberty Ballers, and do any uh, particularly fun or painful memories stand out to you <sighs> in, uh, looking back?
2: <laughs> uh, all fun now. Maybe you know a lot of pain uh, yeah. in the moment, back of the times, but but none obviously with the site itself. Mostly, you know, obviously just <laughs> with the Sixers. But uh I mean, it really, it started out where. Uh, I wasn't really the the biggest Sixers fan growing up, which is weird because I played basketball. For those who don't know or listening, I'm six foot nine. So, you know, pretty tall. I always get the basketball question. I used to play in high school. Uh, nothing, you know, past that too much. But uh, uh, I just, I don't know. I just never was huge into them growing up. I think part because they were just kind of irrelevant when I was growing up, uh, other than Iverson. And right. I kind of, my love for the Sixers kind of got rekindled when I discovered BGN and Liberty Ballers along with it. And I really just liked, following along with everyone on the site because everyone was cool and fun and the community was was fun and i uh, kind of just got into it through that and then eventually uh just was like hey i want to make my way onto BGN. so how can i get more noticed and i had just a relationship i felt like at that point to, to be able to reach out to to mike to mike levin and just ask if i could write for liberty ballers and he he let me on and uh it was all downhill from there
1: that's great well uh you wrote... I, you wrote a bunch of stuff, but one of your big pieces was about Joel Embiid before we all knew how great he actually was. You, I think that you get a lot of credit for being sort of an early adopter of his. And then wasn't there a story where somebody read Joel the piece? Can you Can you give some background on that and how that panned out?
2: That's, that's so awesome. Uh, I I will take no credit for, uh, (laughs) for, for, for being in on Joel Embiid. I think, uh, you know, I was, I, I mean, I, when I watched him, I remember after the Sixers draft him more so uh, just watching his highlight highlight videos and everything. Like, I was like, this guy is awesome, man. Like this guy, like I, I was just, I had so much fun watching him play. And, uh, and I know Derek Bodner was really big on him, had him like number one on his board that year, uh, jonathan Jarks, um you know from the ringer and i guess at time was doing his own thing back then i know he was really big on them but i mean just watching him he's just so dominant so athletic having been a big guy in high school and having been like you know having like not even one percent of the skill that joel Embiid had and like everything just like feeling so hard for me when i was a player and just how easy it looked for him i just was like man this guy's amazing um so really just got into it then and sure enough yeah wrote that post about him back in Whatever it was, 2015 or 14, I can't mm-hmm. even remember, 16, maybe whenever it was. And uh yeah, I someone reached out to me, uh, someone who is involved with the team, they emailed me and they they said they shared the story with him and like Joel Embiid like loved it. Or he was just like, Yeah, that's true. But the guy uh or, or the person um who shared that with me said like Joel Embiid like made him like read the story out loud to him. So I just I love that. It's just so good. He uh Joel is the that's, best.
1: That's amazing. That's really great. <laughs> um, uh, not amazing the Sixers this week lost all four games they played four times they lost each of them uh, in pretty convincing fashion uh, they've ran into now a bunch of injuries uh, they're getting a little bit healthier Ben Simmons asked Doc Rivers he has absolutely no clue what's up with Ben or when he's going to play <laughs> the other day Doc was doing his media availability and uh, one of the reporters asked Doc if when he talked to Ben he got a gauge on when he's going to play basketball again and Doc was sort of like, no, that didn't come up. Like, what is coming up then in these conversations, if not the next time he's going to play basketball? I hope Ben's okay. Uh, I want to know where you guys are at with, with the team. There, there's some some nervous people now. The Sixers have fallen out of first place. Um, uh, now, you know, it seems like all, all year, the Sixers were playing great teams while great players weren't playing. And now it looks like they're on the other end of that at the exact wrong time. Uh, Emily, how do you feel right now uh, about the team and and its struggles and the injuries and all of that stuff?
3: I feel okay. At the uh, as they were losing the first Milwaukee game, I actually was like, "Now is the time. I'm going to put five dollars on them to win the, the title." I was like, <laughs> I,
2: that's,
3: "That was the peak of my confidence." I was like, "This is fine. Everything is fine." And then yeah. the next, then the next loss, I was like, eh not so much out yesterday. It was bad, but I can't help, but like, I can't get that mad about it because like, how are we supposed to be a full strength Bucks team without Ben and Joel and Furcon for God's sake? Like, <laughs> it's just not like, not that it's not possible, but like it's going to be really hard. So like, I can't find myself getting that mad about it. And he just goes back to like, as long as everyone's healthy in the playoffs, like, we'll see what happens, but also like the playoffs will be a lot easier if we have the one seed. So it's like a double-edged sword in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing the, the team ran into this week is that they had on Wednesday, a home game against Phoenix, which was tough. And they lost a pretty close one. And then the next night they played in Milwaukee against the Bucks and Lost that one too. And then Joel got scratched uh on Saturday. Dan, where are you at right now emotionally about the team? Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird because I um I I I just don't get too upset when they lose, especially on a hard week. If they're gonna even if they lost games healthy, I feel like they've kind of overachieved all year. And so um I've been really happy with how they played and I try not to get upset about, you know, a bad game here and there. Um Especially, I mean, they were hurt this week and it was already a tough schedule. So I don't think it's the end of the world. They're not like anything serious. Hopefully Ben's fine. But it seems like, you know, there's speculation will be back soon. Um, Joel, Tobias came back. Joel's shoulder, I mean, he was questionable. So hopefully, you know, it's nothing too bad. Um, the more concerning part is obviously the the chance of losing that that one seed. Um, wish they did their game back, but they do have the tiebreaker. Um, and there's a game and a half up on Milwaukee only one game in the loss column without the tiebreaker. Um, and, you know, it's not just that you now have to play Milwaukee and Brooklyn if you're not the one seed, but also heat are hanging around in the seven seed. If it's not the heat. It would probably be the Celtics. Um, and so that's a way tougher first round matchup than like the Hornets or the Pacers or whoever that ends up being. Um, but I, I would be still pretty surprised if the Sixers didn't get the one seed. So I'm not too stressed out about it. Um, Brooklyn's schedule has a lot of road games and a lot of tough teams left. Brooklyn-Milwaukee still play each other twice. Um, And the Sixers have a lot of home games and a lot of not great teams. Their toughest games are probably going to be against the Hawks, and it looks like they might miss Trey Young. So um, I think that they're fine. I think if their guys come back healthy as quickly as I think they will, then they should definitely be able to hang on to that one seed.
1: So that seems like the the saving grace that a lot of people are going to is that there's 12 games from here to the end of the year and they should be able to win these games as they have, you know, last year, they lost a, lots of bad teams, but this year it looks like they generally take care of business against teams that are worse than them. Uh, I feel sort of fine. I, I'm just a little bit nervous about the timing of how this is panning out, you know, and I, I think that the one seed is very important for them. Brandon, if you had to, you know, rate your scale of, uh, concernness uh, as it pertains to the one seed or just like the, the, uh, the long-term prospects of the the playoff run, where are you at one to 10?
2: Yeah. I'm probably like, I was going to say like a two or three right now. Uh, oh, cool. the, the stretch hasn't really caused me too much pain. I mean the injuries, right. I mean, like Joel's been out. It was a little weird yesterday when I'm seeing on Twitter I'm like, all right, Joel Embiid and Furkan are going to play. I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe we'll win today. And then it's like, 1 minute later <laughs> Keith Pompey is like actually they're not playing I'm like Okay, well, I'm probably not going to watch this game. So, <laughs> how
1: uh, does that even happen? I don't understand.
2: I know. I was like, okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super concerned. The way I think uh, Dan kind of touched on it there too is like, you know, they had that stretch without Joel where they won more than they really should have. So now they're probably losing a little more than they should have, and that kind of balances out when you look at the big picture of it. Like you said, I think the schedule is easy. I think they can take advantage of it and go into the playoffs with the one seed. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not panicking just yet. So
1: to this end, um uh Harrison Grim, friend of the podcast Liberty Baller. He said despite the four-game skid, 538 still has the Sixers having the best record in the East at a predicted 48 and 24, Brooklyn and Milwaukee uh at 46 and 26. The Sixers would have to go 9 and 3 in their remaining games to achieve this record. I, you know, I think that all makes sense. There is a chance that Brooklyn will just go crazy and not lose again. Um of course, they're not fully healthy either um Emily where how would you rate your level of concern uh in terms of the one seed and how how essential do you see it being that they actually end up one and not two or I think three is very unlikely but also three
3: yeah I would say three is unlikely I would put it at one and two if if they get to three I think something has gone really bad and then I would be concerned because I just think that that's like not really on the table um I'm not I'm not that concerned about it I think I but I just really I do think that getting the one seed is important both for like the psychology of it they've had the one seed for so long and they've been so long and then to lose it at the end of the season as you're going into the playoffs like that's not really like the skid you want to take I was annoyingly listening to the Milwaukee Bucks broadcast yesterday because I was listening to the game in the car and they Mm -hmm. didn't have the home broadcast on the radio and they were going on and on about like well this is good for the Bucks because even if they meet them in the playoffs the Bucks will like have this over them that they've like swept them in the series and the Sixers can't beat the Bucks like so like they'll have it like like that in the back of their mind and I was like that's a bullshit (laughs) but like (laughs) There is like something to like, you want to finish the season strong. And so I don't want them to go on a skid at the end of the season, because I think that isn't the best way to enter the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it would be fairly debilitating just to, to lose it at the very end of the year after they were so good. Uh, and, And, and with that being said to regain it now with 12 games left, I think would be sort of a push in the opposite direction. So yeah. obviously I don't think anything's more important than the five starters and all the key guys being healthy when the playoffs start. But I think the one C is very important. I don't see like that two matchup, like the the sort of ring that you'd have to go through is really tough. And I don't, I would not be surprised if the Sixers lost any of those predicted series because those are really tough teams. Dan, you had something about uh, the Sixers uh, versus Brooklyn in terms of being short uh, one of their key guys. What do, what do you got with that?
0: Yeah, so I I went through it and counted basically, um, and I did. I, I literally, when I say counted, like I don't know how to use Excel, like all the smart people. So I counted all the games. It took me hours. Um, <laughs> the record of the Sixers and the record of the Nets since the Nets only counted games since the Harden trade, when all three of their best players play. Meaning for the Sixers, Ben, Joel, Tobias. For the Nets. Kyrie, KD, Harden, um, when exactly one of them is out, when exactly two of them are out, and when all three are out. So, um, you know, it's been talked about a ton, basically, with with the Nets. Oh, and when this comes out, you know, the Nets play Phoenix today, um, that'll be a game without Harden. So this will be one game outdated when this comes out, if, if we release this tomorrow. Um, yeah. But... Um, so everyone knows the Nets have only played seven games with all three of those guys. That's been, you know, the big knock on them. They're five and two in those seven games. The Sixers are 23 and five when they three play, which is incredible. That's really good. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But the, the Nets with one of them out, with exactly one of them out, are 20 and six. Um, so when two of those guys play, they're 20 and six. The Sixers, when one guy's out, are 14 and 11. Um, when two of those Nets' big three are out, so when only one of them is playing, the Nets are still eight and five. The Sixers are two and four in games where there's where, you know, two of, of our three are out. And then both teams have only played one game each where all three of their guys are out and they both lost them. Um, but I think, you know, that has been the talk. And it was pretty clear this week where, um, you know, I you know, this this is the kind of thing that comes up in like debates and just like the most frustrating section of Sixers Twitter where it's like, oh, like Ben's more important because look what they always lose when he's out. And it's like, no, they lose when Joel's out too. And it's like, they lose when they're in either of them are out. Like mm-hmm. they're not built to handle any of these guys being out. And I think they're like, that is backed up by the numbers in in their records. And, and you know, I, I don't think anyone had taken the time to count it, which is why I, I decided to, but, I, you know, it seems true. And it, and it, it definitely is like, the, I don't know. I have kind of two theories. You guys can tell me what you think, but like one of my theories is just that the Sixers have so many unitaskers that, like, when there any of those three are out, they're basically down to two people who can do more than one thing, and it and it kills them. Um, and I think also there's something to be said that the next stars are probably better slash more dynamic. I think you know, I think you, Kyrie and Hart and Durant and Hardin are all pretty clearly better than Ben and Tobias. Um, and then you could argue about how good you think Joel is compared with you know with Harden and, and maybe Durant at this point um they're probably fairly close um but but yeah just better and doing more those are my theories but i mean you can let let me know your thoughts and like what you think about you know are you concerned about that obviously hopefully in the playoffs the sixers don't have games where these guys are missing but um the way this season has gone for all teams not just the sixers that seems kind of unlikely so i don't know what you
1: think BLG what do you what do you make of that
2: I mean, I think just when you have, you know, the resources tied up that you do and like these players, you know, the, the big three is big three, if you will, it's like it's tough <laughs> when you don't have those like you, you're not investing much into the rest of the team. And also, I think when you look at it, the perspective of like, you know, the Nets have had uh, what's it, Sean Marks. Is that the GM there? Yeah, yeah. Am I getting yeah. this wrong? All right, just want to make sure. I'm on a, I'm like, this <laughs> is a totally different way. Like, my, my mind's on drafts and it's all right. And it's, so, No, you got uh, it. You're good. So like he's been there. Like they've had time to like build that with his decisions like organically over time. Whereas, you know, there are more coming in less than a year ago and he's trying to reshape this roster, which quite frankly had a lot of bad decisions made by previous management. And yep. that left the team thin. They made a lot of bad moves and they like a lot of wasteful uh, assets and everything. So that kind of leaves you thin in if you those big players aren't there
1: yeah i uh i I feel like uh, dan when you mentioned the the difference between like ben and tobias and uh harden or whoever that the second guy is their 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 new best guy is pretty wide you know the sixers are like sort of a sum of their parts team with an MVP MVP candidate in Joel. But they it feels like the three of them need each other to click against the best teams more than a team like Brooklyn with those guys who can sort of just show up anywhere and create their own offense and sort of be their own system in a way. But I mean, I think it's encouraging how good they've been, the three of those guys, because the absolutely an- yeah. ancillary pieces have, have helped them win a ton of games. Emily, would you be about the same way about that uh, in terms of this discrepancy?
3: Yeah, I think what you said, Steve, is probably pretty right, and that was one of Dan's theories. Like, yeah, like Kyrie and Harden are more dynamic than Ben or Tobias. But I think that if we can be healthy in the playoffs and everyone can play, I think that those numbers basically say like we've we've got a shot against Mm -hmm. Brooklyn. Like, they're really good when all three of them play, and we don't really know how Brooklyn plays when all three of them play yeah,
2: so it, I'm not it, saying
3: that they're going to be bad when all three of them play we just don't have anything to sh- like like you said there's are seven games there's not as much of a sample size
1: it's a super interesting like sort of team building theory and like Regular season approach thing that I'm I'm very interested to see how it plays out, especially if they're in that two seed and they have to go through the teams they have to go through to get to the finals. I think that'll be very cool. Uh, also, before Sorry, go one more thing.
3: It just go opens it. up the question when you say like a team building. Like if this works for Brooklyn and it's like okay, these guys cannot play together, and you can just throw together these. I mean, yeah, there's skill sets. Complement each other but also like it's Kevin Durant and James Harden like whose skill sets do they not complement?
1: Mm-hmm. like
3: do you just throw together as many big players as you can and that's how you create teams now because that's how you're gonna win championships like that's not really fun personally I think
0: it's kind of exciting if it like to think that think like it could work like I don't want to see it work I want the Sixers to win but like it's so interesting in that it's new that I'm kind of excited to see it because it's new like the Heat didn't even win their first year with their big three
3: And they played the whole
0: regular season.
3: I would think it would be more excited about it if one of those guys was like a homegrown star. And then they brought two guys. It's like not as fun when they're all just like there for the first time. And it's like, you have these players on loan and they win you a title, but what do they really mean to your city? Like nothing where if like one of them had come to Philly. Well, the Nets
0: mean nothing to New York anyway, so.
3: That's fair. (laughs) Um, Like if one of them had come to Philly and they won it with Ben and Joel, I think it would have like a lot more of a feeling because those guys are like our guys um but yeah it, it it's really interesting
1: I, I also think if they win it all it will be because like Harden and Durant are right now two of the five best players in the whole league and they play like that in the playoffs and that is such a hard thing to replicate so to like use that model for another team if it's like the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George or Uh, You know, the Sixers to a lesser degree, I think you got to be really careful with that because those two guys are in a different sort of realm that I I think it would be hard to to replicate. Uh, BLG, we have a bunch of Eagles and draft stuff for you. Before we get into that one last Sixers thing, we should probably close the loop on the MVP stuff which looks like it's probably done. Uh, Joel missed another game the other day and uh, now they have I think an identical record to Denver anyway. Um, as someone who made Joel exactly who he is today, how do you feel about that, about sort of, are you moving on from the MVP thing? And some quick thoughts about the defensive player of the year.
2: I, uh I will never move on from Joel and beat MVP. I, I mean, <laughs> if it doesn't happen, like in my lifetime, then like, what did I live for? You know what I mean? That's kind of that's the, a good point. the that's a great question. I need it. I really need it so bad. When it comes yeah. to Joel, like, admittedly, like, I am the biggest homer. When, like, I feel like I try to be more objective, you know, about maybe the team as a whole mm-hmm. or, you know, especially with the Eagles and stuff. But, like, when it comes to Joel, like, he can almost do no wrong to me. And I, it's just because he's just pure joy to me. I need something like that yeah. in sports. I can't just way. have Yeah, oh, yeah good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> although, like, I can't – I mean, objectively, I can sit here and say he's probably not going to win it. Um, but should he? Yes, absolutely, 100%. And Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Look, like, so I'm not, like, big enough, I guess, on, like, Sixers Twitter to, like, where my opinion, like, matters or anything. But, um, like, so I'm not the biggest Ben guy, which I know is Mm. is controversial in Sixers circles. Um, But I'm not even trying to be, like, anti-Ben here. But I'm saying, like, I I just – he's not the best defender on the Sixers. He's just not. Like, Joel is the best defender on the Sixers. And the kind of defense that Simmons plays is amazing and great. but like, it's also, he's allowed to play that way because Joel Embiid is there when you have an anchor like that on your defense. And I just think his impact, like, it's just to have that big guy back there, like, that makes such a big difference. So to me, if anyone should be defensive player of the year on the Sixers, it's Joel.
1: Yeah, you know, we've also, you know, because none of the numbers end up telling the story that Ben should be defensive player, because when you're a rim protector, you can just have so much more, like, measurable impact on the game. So, who knows you know, we'll see how like the I think the narrative is gonna matter in that one because Gobert's already won twice and maybe some level of voter fatigue and also Gobert gets exposed a little bit in the playoffs. We'll see. Uh yeah, Joel, we're we're the same way. We've said on here before that we wouldn't trade him for anybody in the league. Nope, like and, like don't care. I, I'm not saying that he's like
0: that was before a valuable player in the too. league.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I just wouldn't want to root for a Sixers team without him. Like it just, it means too much to us. Uh, so I yeah, regularly
3: we're... say, like, I don't know, I, I feel bad for all of their fandoms because they don't get to root for Dwell and Beat. am like, <laughs> what is that like? Like, does your life have meaning? Do you have joy in your life? I think <laughs> the answer is no. And I don't ever want to experience that in my life ever.
1: Me neither. Um, Dan, you want to get started with some draft and uh, Eagles questions?
0: Yeah, so this one is less draft. This one is not draft at all. But this was a question that Dan Olinger from Liberty Ballers uh, really wanted me to ask you. So he wants to know which NFL team is most like the Sixers and which NBA team is most like the Eagles.
2: Oh, my God. Which team is most like the Sixers? And so wait, which, which one are the Eagles most like in the NBA? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so which team has meddling mm-hmm. owner? <laughs> uh, where they won a championship, but that championship kind of looks like not the result of a team like knowing what they're actually doing, and more of like catching lightning in a bottle. Am I describe like is that like the Mavericks or something when they won and they beat the Heat? Um, that's not. I don't bad. know. That's yeah. the like that's the only thing I can think of. I guess just like the one off championship because a lot of NBA teams don't win that one off championship, right? right, right. Um, yeah. And then as far as who are the Sixers in the NFL. It's so hard to say because like the Sixers are just so bizarre and I don't think they have a comparison because like just the craziest stuff happens to them where it's like there's always something new. Um and someone a team that has a transcendent talent. I mean, like if we're talking about the level of like talent of player, I mean like Embiid and like Mahomes to me are like on that same kind of tier of just talent now obviously the chiefs are way more stable <laughs> than the sixers have been so i can't really say that's up to the perfect comp i'm going to have to like think more about that one to give like a the really ravens good
1: the ravens too is there like a lamar jackson but they're good but not winning the title yet i don't know
2: I can see that yeah I can see that um, yeah like dynamic player but also kind mm-hmm. of like a player who might not be like the prototype of like success like can this guy win you know like does he have the like you know Embiid Does a big man can the big man win in the NBA can he be your anchor right. um, is Lamar Jackson can the running quarterback you know be that guy so I think that's fair yeah
0: yeah forever I feel like the comp was like the Browns right with the rebuild and the True. rebuild getting cut short but I don't know that, I mean, I, I hate to compare a Baker team to a team with Joelle, so. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
3: to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: Um, all right, so getting more into draft stuff, you recently wrote uh, that if Devontae Smith were to fall to 12, Eagles cannot overthink it. Got to take him. As someone who doesn't watch much college football and just watched the college football playoff, um, I feel like that strategy would have worked great last year. And yep. we should have done it. And I so I've basically been the same way, not even knowing anyone else. But from you know, an actual skill set standpoint, could you tell me why you feel that's the case for Devontae Smith?
2: Man, I just think it's so obvious. It's like this guy's the Heisman, he was dominant in the SEC. Um, it's not quite the Justin Jefferson thing because I think Justin Jefferson checked more boxes in terms of he was like only 20 years old Devontae Smith's 23 um, he was like pretty athletic and all his testing numbers we don't have Devontae Smith's exact testing numbers because he didn't you know do the uh, testing there was no combine this year and I don't think he really worked out a ton at his pro day so um, but I mean just the production is off the charts and I also think something I've like come to appreciate more as I've grown older as I'm, as I'm an old man now is like character matters when it comes to like especially I don't know always other sports but definitely in football where like these guys the eagles have drafted in recent years you look at like andre dillard they didn't do their homework on him like they they literally like didn't have all the information on him until the day of the draft when they were kind of like scrambling and and, like found out he might fall to them so i think that's kind of a mistake because they they brought him into the building and they don't feel great about him right now and then even looking at jalen rager like a lot of concerns that we saw in his rookie season like they were there on the scouting report prior to the Eagles drafted him. And it doesn't seem like they totally got the cow- character. And I'm not just talking about, you know, like getting in trouble off the field, like, you know, legal stuff. I'm talking about like, you know, football character, like sports character, like the the drive, something that Joel Embiid very much has in spades, like the will to win Um, and why part of why I love him so much. So I think Devante has that. And I think, you know, you can't just have that. You can't just be a try hard player. Like you have to be good too. I think he has both. I think he has the, the will to win. And I think he's just a really good player. And I think, that's like the phrasing of my article, I think says it all. Like, don't talk yourself out of him. Like, don't, because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. If you're, tr- if you're passing on him, you're like, well, the weight Well, I'm like, okay, he's 165 pounds, but he doesn't get hurt. And he's like one of the best receivers at getting off press. So like, how is this weight manifesting itself as a concern? Like it's one thing if he's small and he's getting hurt all the time, but that's not happening.
3: Right. So the fact that the Eagles are at 12 is because of a first, like a trade that they've already made. So how likely do you think it is that they make another trade involving their first round pick, whether to move up or down anything?
2: I think a move down would be more likely than up just because of where they're at, you know, when, in terms of like the rebuild, like this isn't a team that's like trying to go all in, you know, to win this year and shouldn't be like, shouldn't be trying to make a move up to like get a guy that's going to like, you know, make a difference this year. Cause this year doesn't really matter um as many six years didn't matter once upon a time and I just think that uh you know they're, they're going to be in the like they're going to look to try to get more picks I think ultimately I would stay at 12 and I don't know if they're going to get a great offer to move down I wouldn't like to move down too far honestly because like you're at six guys like how much further are we going to move down like are we moving into like to the 20s all of a sudden so I would hope they kind of stay where they are but I, I would say if I had to pick you know one of the two that's more likely I would say move down than move up
1: if you had to uh, think about, if let's say we assume they do trade the pick and move up or move down, who is a player that they would move up for? You think, and who's a player that they would move down for?
2: I think logically, when you just look at like where the board shakes out, I think if they're moving up to let's say nine, which I think is possible, because in theory that only costs about like a third round pick, depending you know on the exact you know situation, but just in you know the draft pick value chart kind of has it like that. I mean, I would think you're looking at a corner or an offensive lineman just because Dallas picks there at 10 and they're a big threat to take one of those two positions. Maybe you want to kind of get there before Dallas gets that guy. Um, maybe it's like a Rashawn Slater or a Penai Sewell if he falls or one of the corners, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan. Um, if they're looking to trade down, I'm guessing it's going kind to of be like an offensive lineman, like maybe Elijah Vera Tucker. Or, uh, Quiddy Pay, which would be like the one of the worst possible picks to me. Just people because. hate
1: that guy. Oh my God. I've never <laughs> heard of him before, but all I see is people saying, please don't pick him.
2: It's just, well, it's just like this guy is like 11 and a half sacks. He's like one force fumble in college. He's like going to be 23. Devontae Smith is also going to be 23, but Devontae Smith is like a finished product and you feel good about him right now. Quiddy Pay, right. like the sell on him is like, well, oh, he's still growing. Like he still has upside. Well, it's like, he's 23. And like, I, I, so I just don't love that as a projection. Now I've said this on like a billion podcasts, including like BGN radio and everything, but I'll say it again here. Like Howie Roseman, seven of his nine last first round picks, offensive or defensive lineman. So, you know, pretty decent bet. They're going to go in the trenches at some point, if not mm-hmm. early on. So um just talking about trading the pick,
0: like the original trade. How should I feel about that? Because I was kind <laughs> of so excited that I was like, You know, all the talk about Chase, it seemed like a receiver that, like, the Eagles couldn't even mess up that pick. And if he fell there, that seemed like a possibility. And, you know, I know that they have the scale to, like, measure the value of every pick in the draft, basically, without, you know, not on a given year, but in general. Um, Do we feel like that's a good thing? I know you said they're going to basically try to acquire more picks, but how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, like... I don't love it. I don't hate it. I know that's not like a great place to to be in our world of like podcasting everything because it's just like boring <laughs> when you're sitting on the fence like that. But the thing to me, like you kind of said there, Dan is like, I wanted an impact player like that. Mat- that mattered more than anything to me. In going into this draft before there was the talk of trade down. I was just like, I don't love trading down because you you have to like this roster lacks top and young talent, especially and just like legitimate blue chip talent. And I think the best chance to get that was at six. Now, you know, they trade down. I said at the time before they traded down, like, if you're gonna get a future first-round pick, then I'm starting. I'm willing to listen at that point because that's a big deal. And I think going into next year's draft, you're gonna potentially have three, depending on what happens with Carson Wentz and the Colts. You know, at the very worst, it's a second. Um, but potentially having three first-round picks, like that's a big deal because I think you can pivot to a new quarterback if Hurts doesn't work out. You can trade for an established starter. You can trade up in the draft next year. Or if Hurts turns out to be good, then you can kind of just use those picks to actually like build around him. And great. So I like the option personality you know to use a sam hanky term here Mm. Uh, i like that 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 provides but i mean there's downside to consider like the guy the eagles like it's probably a lock that the person whoever is taking at six is going to be like a future hall of famer and we're all going to be like you know like hands on our heads like what did the eagles do so uh (laughs) there's downside as well as the to the upside
0: and so you mentioned you know you talked about hurts um and there's Basically going to be five first round quarterbacks in this draft. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are taking one, but do you think there's any chance the Eagles look at a guy like, um, it seems like a guy who's more likely to follows maybe like Lance or, or Mac Jones. Is there any chance the Eagles look at that? And do you believe in Hurts? It seems like the Eagles are basically wishy-washy on him from what they say publicly. Um, and from my, you know, not super football, I wasn't crazy impressed, but what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I just don't think there's any way you trade down from six and still take a quarterback. I just, I, I can't believe there's like a value pick. Like, I don't think it works like that. I think like if you love the guy, then you would just stayed at six and you know, hope he fell there like, I just I can't see like getting cute with it like that that just doesn't seem realistic to me when it comes to Hertz I think they're very much not sold on him <laughs> as they didn't even mention his name this week so Harry Roseman and uh, Nick Sirianni talked and they were asked about Jalen Hurts directly and like they wouldn't even mention his name so I thought that was a little weird I get not like necessarily wanting to guarantee him the starting job but no one's asking them to do that um, it, it, you could just still say anything about him and uh, yeah so I think they're not sold on him. I think. He deserves a year based on what we saw last year and knowing the team's timeline, you know, knowing that they're not all in the win. Let's give him a shot. Let's see what he has because, you know, if he turns out to be good, then you have a really good asset, you have a good player and a really cheap rookie contract. And then again, you have those first round picks you can build around him, you're in a great spot. So I kind of think evaluating him is worth it. And I'm in on him this year, like seeing what he has. But I think if he's anything less than like convincing, if there's any kind of gray area, which there's probably a good chance there will be, then you have to pivot next year. And that's, that's not to say to like cut him or trade him or whatever, but you have to like start investing in other options as soon as next off season. Can I ask a quick
3: quarterback question,
2: Steve? Um, yeah, yeah.
3: So speaking of current quarterbacks, what are the chances that we see Joe Flacco getting playing time this year?
2: <laughs> I, I hope none. <laughs> I hope zero. Because I'm ready be... to buy
3: my Joe Flacco Eagles jersey. I went to Delaware. so Okay. I
2: I, I get the local thing. I can respect yeah. it. Um, that's probably like the best thing you can say about Joe Flacco at this He's point.
3: He's from here. He's from
2: here. <laughs> capital F capital H. Um, Yeah. yeah, He, he was just so bad last year and he got a raise. The Eagles gave him more money. I don't understand why that happened, but, uh, but yeah, things have gone really bad. I think if Joe Flacco plays, that means like Hertz is in like, there's nothing to be gained. You know, like again, the team's not going to be trying to actually like compete for a super bowl all out this year. And uh, I mean, if he's playing and Hertz is healthy, then I just don't even know. That's like playing like, uh, was it Damien Harris? back in the end of the Sixers, like, pre-processed it, it which really bad Damien Wilkins, right? yes. Damien Wilkins, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Things are taken um, a <laughs> It is like they gave Joe Flacco more money because he's, like, been to Ishka Bibbles. Like, because he's from <laughs> Philadelphia, they gave him extra money. I don't I, – I mean, God bless. Uh, are there players in the later rounds that uh, you have heard or have an inkling that the the Eagles might be honing in on in one way or another?
2: I feel like less than ever this year, just because, you know, because of COVID and everything. So the Eagles usually, and every team usually has these pre-draft visits. They can bring in 30 guys. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean they're, you know, going to draft all those. And it doesn't necessarily mean they love one of those players just because they bring them in. There's, they bring them in to do like medical checks on them to kind of get a better gauge of their personality. And they really haven't been able to have those this year, you know, with the restrictions and everything. There there actually were some last year before really, you know, COVID started to being a worldwide issue and shutting everything down here uh, in the U S so they didn't have those this year. So I I just like have the, the least, good gauge ever i'm still putting a draft track uh, interest tracker together for bleeding green nation that'll be on the website this week that kind of has a, a log of who they talk to at the senior bowl and who they've talked to through facetime and reports and everything so i'm going to have that i haven't put it together yet that once i get that i'll like crystallize more but i just feel like again like less than or more than ever i've just had like less of a pulse on like some of the later round guys that they're really going to target i just think you know and honestly like they shouldn't be like looking by position because their roster is really bad like just take whoever is legitimately the best player at any position, especially on day three, like just, they, they need to take swings on guys. Um, like don't, they can't be locked into like trying to, Oh, we have to get a running back or, Oh, we have to get a linebacker or whatever. Right. right.
0: So this week's big dump story was of course the rock, paper, scissors. Um, I honestly couldn't bring myself to care about that at all, but I'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts on it. And do you think that is as, it obviously sounds really bad, but I'm sure it's not as, dumb as it sounds if you really think about it what do you
2: think i think i totally understand why people are like what the hell is this team doing Like, <laughs> what are they talking about right now but i think here's the thing i will give the eagles credit for trying to gauge competitiveness in players Cause like i said earlier i think they haven't put enough effort or, or or they have and they're just not good at it they just suck at it <laughs> they can't evaluate <laughs> character so i think it's good what they are trying to gauge that hundred percent is rock paper scissors the best way to do that. I can't tell you. I know that is a good way to measure that, but I I can at least kind of give them like like lay off them a little bit cuz they're trying to do the right thing and as someone who criticizes them a lot, uh I feel like I'm going to you know give them a break there on that one just in terms of what they're trying to measure
3: speaking of criticism someone that everyone loves to criticize all the time including myself is Howie Roseman um (laughs) the athletic had a big long piece about just the kind of culture and that was going on when Doug was still there so do you think that the Eagles are essentially doomed as long as Howie Roseman's in the front office
2: I love how bluntly you put that um (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's it's a huge issue like that story all that stuff is like stuff that like is not surprising to me you know thing based on things i've heard and i'm not trying to say that like i as a flex like i know everything i'm just saying like that comes out and i know that's not like untrue i know that's not Mm -hmm. off base based on the things i've heard over the years and, and why i've been so critical and like not optimistic about the team for like i don't know a year plus now uh so i i think the hope if you're looking on the bright side or you're trying to have optimism is that all of this criticism that's coming out like inspires the team to reflect and be like well we really have to change things here and we can't have this terrible process where like there isn't every not everyone's not pulling in the same direction and decisions are getting made and other people don't know why this decision is happening I saw something from Jeff McLean in the Inquirer today that talked about uh, Sharif Miller who the Eagles drafted a couple years ago from Penn State and like something he included in that story was like Jeffrey Lurie liking and kind of like valuing Sharif Miller in part because Sharif Miller grew up in Philly and was an Eagles fan and said like he cried when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and his grandfather like they were together and it was like that was part of why the Eagles drafted him and I was just like what are we doing here like what what are we talking about so as long as this team has
1: to also draft my mother you're right right. what are we
2: what are we doing like when I see stuff (laughs) like that I'm like now again that's this, the source he cited was like some Eagle staffers, is that 100% true, you know, take it all with a grain of salt or whatever. But I mean, it's just like this, this team just does not have a good process. It kind of reminds me of the Sixers where before Daryl Morey, where it's just like, okay, Elton Brand is here, but he's kind of a figurehead. And there's like the collaborative, but it's not really a collaborative because to me a collaborative is like when there's someone at the top making decisions based on information they're getting from everyone and they're like hearing all those people. But then the person at that top has like a conviction and they're responsible and they're making that decision. Collaboration is not like a bunch of random people like playing rock, paper, scissors maybe to make a different decision. Like that's not what should be going on here. And it's just, it's not a good process. Basically we all talk, we all know process is really important process over results and the eagles just haven't had a good process
1: um we uh, recently you recently gave a shout out to quit pay as somebody that the eagles would hate to have is there anybody else in your mind that would be a disappointing pick at number 12
2: anyone not named Devonte smith
1: <laughs> Ooh, <love it. laughs> you're all in
2: yeah I mean, I'm not going to say like because they pick someone else other than him, like it's going to be a bad pick or a bad player. But I, I really am locked in on him. I really do want him because I just I feel like he's going to be. I feel confident that he's going to be a good NFL player. And uh, like like offensive line would be a little bit disappointing to me just from the Eagles have Jeff Statlin, who's like supposed to be a really good offensive line coach. And I think what you've seen out of even last year, like when Jordan Milata had to play and Nate Herbig had to play, like they held their own. Was the offensive line great last year? No. But was it like as bad as it seemed? I don't think so. I think it was kind of like below average as opposed to totally a disaster. I think a lot of the sacks that happened last year were on Carson Wentz. He took a lot of bad sacks on his own. So uh, just like, I think they can get more out of less on the offensive line having Jeff Stoutlin here and same thing at cornerback. When you look at like what the Eagles new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon has done with different quarterbacks in the NFL. Like he's gotten more out of lesser players there. So like, do we need really to spend the number 12 overall pick on another defender, especially this off season too? Like who've they added on offense? It's like Joe Flacco. They re-signed Jordan Howard and then crickets like no one. Like I know it's not like they're not competing this year. And I get that. And I've talked about that, but like, come on, like let's build an elite passing offense. Let's get it together. Let's give Jalen Hurts like an actual weapon or two to work with. The Eagles have the worst receiving core in the league, arguably. Like, come on, give me an offensive player.
3: Yeah. So say that the Giants pick Devontae Smith at eleven after you <sighs> pick up your shattered broken heart from the floor. What are you hoping the Eagles then do with their with the twelfth pick?
2: If Jalen Waddell is there, you know, the other Alabama receiver, um I'd be okay with him. I think he is upside that I like. There's a case to be made. He's actually, some people think he's actually the best receiver prospect in the draft, even above Chase. Um, I think he has more like raw talent uh and maybe upside than Devontae Smith. I just don't know about the injuries with him. I just feel like that's a guy who's like always going to have like lingering injury issues uh just that kind of profile player so but i I would be intrigued by him i I wouldn't hate that pick um again if they trade down and they get an offensive lineman wouldn't hate that pick um but really the only pick i would love like full-on just like love no questions asked would be Devontae at number 12.
3: and then what is going to happen with Ertz? do you think we're going to see a Ertz trade at some point during the draft
2: So I don't know during the draft, um, just because uh, it's weird. Like, we haven't heard anything about him recently. I still very much think he's not going to be on the team. I think Zacherts doesn't want to be here. Like, I think that's that's pretty clear. And it's not like he's the GM. It's all up to him. But, like, he's pretty much going to force his way out, I think, and he's ultimately going to get his way. Uh, I think with the way the salary cap works in the NFL, they can actually trade him after June. Um, and kind of cleared more money this season still impacts into next year. So it's not like they get out of it free, but um, yeah, they could actually clear like 8.5 million cash space if they trade them after June. So uh, it might just be a trade that happens uh, after the draft. Let's say like there's a team that really wanted to get a tight end and they didn't. And at that point, you know, Ertz is there and uh they can get him or the Eagles might just have to cut him honestly because it just might reach a point where there's really no market for him and he doesn't want to be here and I don't think they're just going to keep him as an unhappy player so I'm not expecting really the Eagles to get much for him I think the best thing like realistically you could hope for is like the Eagles can kind of find like a way to package Zacherts and maybe their second round pick at number 37 and like maybe another pick or two and then like find a way to get into the first round, like uh, another first round pick late in the day one there. I think that's like what you're hoping for.
1: Um, Guys, do you have any other draft stuff for uh Brandon?
0: The I mean, the only thing which you kind of touched on that I was going to ask, but I'll like, I'll ask it more outright and more, more bluntly. Like, cause you mentioned that there might not really be a market for Earths. Um, I, I, I've been really unimpressed with him the last couple of years anyway. I mean, do do you think that um, it's likely that maybe a team takes a shot on him like Indianapolis or something Um, like, is that a a likely shot? Because I can't see a ton of teams wanting that he's older and I don't know how the contract works in a trade, but I've just felt like he's been not that good for a couple of years now.
2: Yeah. I mean, the market is just not going to be good for him because he's aging he's expensive um, I, 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 mean, if he gets cut, then I think there's a pretty good chance, you know, he could wind up in Indy, uh, trade Indy would be a little weird just from the standpoint of like, I felt like maybe, you know, he'd be included like in, you know, a Wentz trade and then you could like maybe get a little bit more out of that. Um, uh, I think the bills could be a team to watch. I think they've been mentioned before, uh, the chargers were a team that was mentioned pr- previously. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to come down to the Eagles are going to have to cut him. Or they're gonna to have to take something in return for him that's like not really exciting for them. I think a lot of people have said, Well, why don't you just hold on to him? But again, I think like he doesn't want to be here. He's gonna like try to force his way out. It's just not that simple. And I also think they have a lot of respect for Zach Ertz as a guy who is the only player in franchise history who's caught a game winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and was on track before, you know, this inevitable departure came where he was gonna like lead the team in all time reception. So, you know, obviously an all time eagle ultimately, Zach Ertz. But yeah, I think it's time to move on and uh yeah it's just it's time that we've reached the point
3: I have a question about just like draft evaluation in general and how has like COVID situations impacted I'm thinking of players that like uh Mike Parsons that didn't play for Penn State last year like or even like these smaller fcs schools who are currently playing right now like they're playing their season in the spring um like how has that kind of stuff impacted the draft evaluation and the way teams are going about it
2: I think it's afforded teams more excuses. <laughs> yeah, I think teams are like, oh, we can't possibly, you know, have all this information this year. I think some of that is obviously fair. I've said it, you know, myself, like not having the same level of familiarity of the Eagles' interest in some of these day three guys just because, you know, we're not seeing pre-draft visits and everything like we usually would be. Um, so I'm sure there's less information. I know there's, there's fewer players in the draft. Like a lot of players, you know, it's not like they were like opting out. Uh, or, you know, leaving college early to go in the draft this year, if they really could, they want to, you know, wait another year and have more film and be able to come into the draft next year. So I think a team like the Eagles, you know, it's obviously kind of allowed them to feel like they can kind of kick the can down the road or try to get more picks in next year's draft and kind of feel like that's going to be a better chance to hit it even harder uh, than it is this year. I think that's a little silly because, there's plenty of teams that draft poorly every year, including the Eagles, who have all this information and then waste it anyway. So I just think the like the whole "oh, we don't have information" thing can be like a lame excuse. I mean, it's, there's some validity to it, and I, you know, I'm sure it's harder for teams to maybe have the uh, the best uh, grasp on on certain things and just not having all the same level of information. But I mean, if if you're a team that's terrible at drafting and then you're going to throw out that excuse, then that's just pretty weak to me.
1: Um, the last thing that we do every week is we uh predict the Sixers wins and losses uh for the week. So if you have a few more minutes, we'd love to have you join us uh in that and throw sure. in your prescription. prescriptions, great. Um yes. Emily. Yeah. Um Emily, can you update the standings uh as far as where we're at this year? Uh I
3: can. So last week sucked for all of us and the hmm. Sixers. Um Dan led the week at two and two, and then me and you, Steve, were both one and three because we all the games where we picked Philly to win, we lost. So the overall season rankings, Dan is at 41 and 23. I'm at 39 and 25, and Steve is at 35 and 29.
0: And so I feel like we have not brought this up again those are less four more games than the Sixers have played, and this is because of we were including picks for the All Star game, right? And we yeah. haven't we haven't talked. We did the All Star game and then the slam dunk contest, three point shootout. Oh, yeah, that's seven. right. right? That's so right. that's why that's why we have all these extra games in there. I feel like that that could use a reminder.
1: Oh
3: yeah, we just started picking random things and included them <laughs> in our polls. Yep, that's exactly
1: why. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't want to get tweets about that. So that's I'm glad that. Uh... We and
3: we were get really
1: ahead. bad at picking those as well. Yeah, we sucked at oh, that yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this week, uh, the Sixers have four games once again. They are home against OKC uh, and then Atlanta twice. And then they are on the road Sunday uh, playing uh, San Antonio. So those are the four games. Uh, BLG, what do you predict uh, the Sixers will do this week?
2: I mean, I feel like there's no stakes for me here because like there's no accountability. That's like, true. I go... <laughs> Unless like I can, go zero and four, we can wait
1: yours like dog years if you want, and have okay. each one worth seven. <laughs>
2: um, see, I was gonna like be like, all right, they'll go three and one, but but screw it, like I'm just gonna go all in. I'm gonna say they go four and zero. Why not? Like again, you. there's no accountability here. So I mean, you can call me out uh, just on next week's episode if I'm wrong, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say four and zero. I mean, they're beating the thunder. I was gonna say mm-hmm. split against the Hawks, but um, I'll just say four and zero.
1: I love it. Um, I'm going to join you in that. Actually, I'm going to say 4-0. I don't have anything to lose either. I don't think we have wagered anything. So, uh, I'm with you, Emily, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I was really hoping you were going to ask Dan first.
1: (laughs) I can Um, go first. I feel like it's only, I should have
0: to go first. I think it's only fair. Um, because if I just pick everything, Emily picks over here on out. So I'll, I think I should have to go first. I'm also going to go 4-0. Um, I'm not gonna pick the Sixers to lose to a terrible team when I just have to be okay from here on out. I'm gonna make Emily have to guess a terrible team we're gonna lose to, so that's so mean.
3: Because I <laughs> was You did be- that to me all season when you were ahead. <laughs> but I actually thought they were never gonna lose a game because I'm <laughs> say, you that's are true. more realistic. <laughs> and- I even already had it pasted in my spreadsheet okay really like get my hair situated I need to make a mm-hmm. thoughtful decision and try and pick up a game or two here definitely not two god they can't lose twice this week okay <laughs> I'm gonna say they lose the front half of the Atlanta back I don't, I don't. It's not a back-to-back, but like the first Atlanta game. So oh, I'm going to yeah. say they win-loss, win-win is what I'm going to go with. Just to try and okay. pick up the game. I don't actually want that to happen or think that will happen, but I'm <laughs> trying to play the game and get back into this as wow. the winner of the season picks.
1: The freedom <laughs> the I have as as being so far behind is that I can just go with my heart every single time and I don't worry about the standings. I'm like Doc Rivers. I don't know what game is next.
3: <laughs> Are there fans? I don't know. What's happening? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Uh we absolutely love your work. Uh what can we get out there? Bleeding Green Nation, obviously, BGN radio, anything else you'd like us to direct people to?
2: Those are the big things. Um, obviously you're gonna have a lot of content coming up with the draft this week. It'll be crazy by uh Saturday evening. I will just be like like exhausted and drained, uh, from having written about 11 picks. The Eagles have yeah. the most picks in the draft. So it's going to be really busy. It'll be fun. We'll have a lot of good podcast stuff coming up on the Booting Nation podcast feed as well. Uh, and then I'm at Twitter, uh, Brandon Gowton.
1: Great. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. It was great to talk to you. And, uh, and, uh, I'm sure people will be really excited to hear from you. So thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me guys. All right. Thank you. Good seeing you guys.
1: Yeah.